Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to Andy Staples on three greetings from Houston site of the national championship game between your Michigan Wolverines and your Washington Huskies. This is going to be a really fun game. We're going to take you deep, deep inside Heard from Jim Harbaugh and Kalen DeBoer, the two coaches in this matchup on Sunday. Talked to the players this weekend. This could be one of the more fun national championship games we've seen. Very difficult to predict. Very difficult to know who's going to react to a kind of offense that their defense really hasn't seen all season. It is going to be a blast. I'm going to send the four-team playoff out in style and bring in the 12-team playoff for next season. And boy, there's going to be a lot of hope for everybody next season, but right now the hope rests on the shoulders of the Wolverines and the Huskies. And we got to talk about these coaches. we got to talk about Kalen DeBoer and Jim Harbaugh. Kalen DeBoer, about as normal a human being as you're going to get for a major college football coach. But he has the Huskies playing so well. He's lost two games in two seasons with them, and they're actually back-to-back. We're going to talk to a Michigan player who was actually a member of the last team to beat Washington. Kalen DeBoer has done an incredible job, and you look at his history, he's done that everywhere. He was at Sioux Falls in the NAIA as a young coach, won national titles there. He goes to Fresno State in his next stint as a head coach after being a very respected assistant, makes the Bulldogs better. Gets to Washington, immediately improves. Took a 4-8 and eight team 
and they went 11 and 2 last year. And it set the table for this. Jim Harbaugh, meanwhile, legendary quarterback at Michigan, very good NFL player, got into coaching. We knew he was going to be good. We saw him at the University of San Diego, non scholarship FCS winning. He goes to Stanford. He turns the Cardinal, who had no success whatsoever in recent memory, and turns them into a consistent winner. Goes to the NFL, three NFC championship games in four years, one Super Bowl appearance. Comes to rescue his alma mater. Took a while. Took a while. Couldn't beat Ohio State. The Wolverines were better, but they couldn't get over the hump. And then in 2021, they beat Ohio State. They win the Big Ten, but they lose in the playoff. Same thing last year. Now, they beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl. They are here. This is a pretty incredible matchup. This is a little bit different than anybody would have expected at the beginning of the season, but it was a very exciting road to get here. And these two, well, they couldn't be more different as coaches. And we will start with an answer that Jim Harbaugh gave to a very fun question because apparently they've been watching some documentaries on the Michigan team at Jim Harbaugh's behest. And, well, it's a little predatory. Let's hear Jim Harbaugh's answer to this question about what he's showing the team. Then I'll tell you what he should have said. I'm kind of furthering on routine before game day. A lot of your players yesterday had mentioned that you guys watch films on game day when there are games at night or perhaps that'll take place today. And much of the tone was about predatory animals. I guess there are some documentaries as of late that you've been showing them. Yeah. Can you kind of lend a little insight into who chooses the movie, if there's an underlying message to that, and how your team receives it and how you want them to receive it? Um, yeah, just a, a chance just to be with, be with your team is the main thing. Um, you know, I like that, just that gathering, you know, it's, uh, it was like the perfect fighting unit to me is a, is a pack of wolves, you know, a wolf pack, um, and you see them see them gathered together, uh, you know, before the fight. Uh, you see them together going to the fight. You see them together in the fight. Uh, you see them celebrating after the fight. Um, and, the, you know, the active word there is together. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the, the picture, picture I have. We're, we're together. And that's the night before the game. So we're together. Um, Take our next. Oh, oh as far as uh, the, who picks the movies and uh, and what are they? Um, yeah, because I mean, a lot of it's a lot of it's fight. You know, there's a, that resonates with me because it's it's a football fight. You know, these these games you play, it's a it's a football fight, um, and the. The night before, if it's a night game like tomorrow night, it'd be a little longer, you know, movie, movie type of uh, length. Um, 12 o'clock kickoff, it'd be, be really short. Uh, you know, three o'clock game, may go an hour, you know, and that's where some of the, the documentaries, you know, on predators, we found one this year on predators, tigers, cheetahs, lions, uh, great stuff, really seemed to resonate with the guys. I love them. Uh, who doesn't, right? I mean, some of those uh, 
some of those great type of things. But yeah, when it gets when it gets to you know how the world wants to turn you into to um, you know something, um, but we kind of allow ourselves to devolve you know into a pack of wolves. That's what we want to we want to channel. Um, you know, probably nature's you know, greatest fighting unit. I get it. Wolves, very scary. Hunt a pack. You kind of sound like Alan from The Hangover, though. So there is a more obvious answer to that, Coach Harbaugh. Here it is. I'm kind of furthering on routine before game day. A lot of your players yesterday had mentioned that you guys watch films on game day when there are games at night, or perhaps that'll take place today and much of the tone was about predatory animals. I guess there are some documentaries as of late that you've been showing them. Yeah. Can you kind of lend a little insight into who chooses the movie, if there's an underlying message to that, and how your team receives it, and how you want them to receive it? When we watch movies, we try to find the most vicious predators in the animal world. And, well, I can't think of one more vicious than the Wolverine. Yeah, it's a member of the weasel family, sure. But very opportunistic eater. Eggs, squirrels, beavers. And vicious. A Wolverine is relentless. I feel like that's what I want our team to be. And then of course we have the, the Marvel Universe Wolverine. He's a bit of a loner, not really a team player, but when he needs to, he gets together with the X-Men. Of course, adamantium claws, they could cut through flesh, bone, metal. Now, he wouldn't have the adamantium skeleton if not for his mutant ability to heal. And I feel like our team has a mutant ability to heal. And of course, without the guidance of Dr. Charles Xavier, he probably wouldn't be a very good teammate, but like the X-Men, we've got a pretty good leader too. Later in the show, we're gonna hear from Michigan Offensive Coordinator Sharon Moore, who very soon could be Michigan head coach Sharon Moore. We're also gonna hear from a couple really good offensive linemen in this game, Roger Rosengarten from Washington, Ladarius Henderson from Michigan, who used to play at Arizona State, so he is a little bit more familiar with the Huskies than anybody else on this roster. We are also going to talk to Washington defensive tackle Fatui Tuatele, and he's one of the six-year guys on this team. It's so interesting how you have the mesh of older guys who came in and were recruited by or even played for Chris Peterson. Because that COVID year, there are guys on this team who played for Chris Peterson. Then they went through the Jimmy Lake years, and now you've got the Kalen DeBoer guys along with them. So you have the guys who Peterson recruited and coached for a little bit, you have the guys that Lake brought in, which he wasn't bad at bringing in talent. He just wasn't that great at coaching them on the field. And then you have the guys that Kalen DeBoer has worked with. And it is a great mesh of styles, of talent. But Fatui's going to explain what these older guys have been through, what they've seen. And I think that's a key piece of this story, a key piece of the journey for Washington. So lot to talk about, but first, my on-three tag team partner, J.D. Piquel, joins me. 
to break this game down one last time. We'll also talk a little about Jim Harbaugh's future. JD, we've said almost all there is to say about this game, but as we sit here 24 hours away from kickoff, what sticks out to you as the most important thing that Michigan needs to do and the most important thing that Washington needs to do to win this game? I think to me it's a tale of two quarters being the first and the fourth. And I think that first quarter is massive for Washington. Like the path for Washington to victory to me feels more narrow than Michigan. And the path to victory for them starts in that first quarter putting pressure on Michigan to match them with scores. Because I mean, for, I mean, Washington, we know it. They're a Ferrari offensively. Yeah. They, they will score north of 40 if they're allowed to kind of get some rhythm going. So if they can establish that early, massive. Now, that fourth quarter for Michigan, we were talking before we got on air here. If they're able to go into that fourth quarter, with a one-score lead, be it three or seven, and they get the ball back, they get to go bully mode, which is how they want to live. We're not, we're not worried about playing all four quarters in the long game. We're worried about finishing this game out 15 or so minutes. I think that's massive. I think it's huge for both sides. I, I think Washington has to jump on them because the bully mode can start earlier if they don't. And bully mode might actually be a quick way to score for Michigan. I, I think you, know, you assume that just because a team dominates on the ground that they're going to have these 15-play, eight-minute drives – that may not be the case if, if Michigan's offense starts humming. They can score in three, four minutes. It will not be the aerial show that Washington's offense is, but they can rip off some chunks when, when they get the ground game going too, and that's, that's the part that I just am not sure about with Washington's defensive line is can they hold up against Michigan's offensive line. I'm not as worried about Washington's offensive line against Michigan's D-line. Yeah, I mean, we, we've said it here many times. Like, the way they're able to manage the game is very much so, I think, why they're in this game. Like, they're extremely versatile, and, and those big boys up front, there's sort of this thought there that, okay, they won the Joe Moore Award because they're really good offensively, and Michael Penix Jr. gets rid of the ball quickly, and some of that might be baked in there, but that's a really good offensive front yeah. in Michigan, uh, uh, Washington. Well, they don't, they don't let people get to Penix. Yes, there's an advantage, because you do have to dedicate more resources to coverage. Mm -hmm. But... There are teams that have sold out trying to hit Penix, and they don't. Yeah. And the other thing is when this team has needed to get yards on the ground, they have. Now, we don't know about Dylan Johnson. He said at media day he's not going to be 100%. Mm -hmm. And when, they, when a guy admits that, then we're talking a pretty low number here. Yeah, on camera, no less. Right, I mean, exactly. not like a, hey, I'm not feeling great. It's exactly. like, no, hey, listen, I'm not 100%, but we're going to see where it goes on, yeah. on the game. But. Yeah, I mean, going back to your point about having to try and get after Michael Penix Jr., you watched the Oregon and the Texas game, and whenever you saw someone on the broadcast feed run into the picture from, like, the second or third level, right. my first thought was, somebody, somebody's open. Yeah, somebody's exactly. open exactly. field. Exactly. So, left. Yeah. Yeah. About to be an air show. Yeah, so that that's going to be a fun chess match. And I think if you're Michigan, the way you handle it is simulated pressure. And what that is, for, for those who don't know, is you make the quarterback think. You give him a picture that there's five or six guys coming. But there's only four guys coming, but you're not sure which four. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the tricky part. That's what you got to use to scare him into thinking he's about to get hit. So he goes to look for that guy who he knows is open if there's five or six guys coming. But he's not going to be open 
because there's only four guys coming. You know the guy who could be the most impactful player in that whole chess match is Mason Graham. Yeah. I mean, we saw what he did in the Alabama game. It's not a guy where he has to be hitting the quarterback. If he's occupying another offensive lineman or if he's mm-hmm. kind of mixing up the picks. Somebody's I mean, he, coming through. Real agility from that dude, yeah. too. I mean, so I think that's going to be a guy to watch. Keep an eye on 55 all game long. Well, and it, now here's where the Washington offensive line, having played together so long, really helps. Because if you're doing the simulated pressure, that means you're doing twists and stunts up front. You have to communicate as an offensive line. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to pass guys off. You've got to say it's it's almost like playing basketball, switching on a pick, and and you've got to be able to do that and, and communicate effectively. You saw Alabama not communicating effectively against mm-hmm. Michigan. I don't think that's gonna be a problem for Washington. Like I don't recall any point this season where it looked like they got really confused by any defensive front and just let free runners come through. So I think that's a part where Penix is probably gonna have a little bit of time to throw, and it's going to be on Will Johnson and Mikey Sanders still and the rest of that Michigan secondary to cover. Without question. I'm really interested to see the approach Michigan takes in the back end. Because I think PFF has a number out there where Michigan's somewhere north of 70% of the snaps they're playing zone. I don't know if I love Michigan sitting in zone against the monstars of that wide receiver <laughs> core. Like, I yep. know, like if you spread them out that wide, I mean, that's a that's a long way to stretch your zone. I keep comparing this game to potentially the, the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl. And Georgia played a lot of zone early. And at halftime, Kirby Smart was like, we just can't do this yeah. anymore. Yeah, He told his corners, guys, I realize these are really good receivers, but you're, you're going to be on your own a lot. Yeah. So we, we got to put more pressure on the quarterback, and that's what they did. So we'll see if that if that holds true. But in this case, you may not be trying to use that other guy to put pressure on the quarterback. You just may be covering with that other guy. Yeah, it's going to be massive. And Mikey Sandra still is going to have his work cut out for him. And, I mean, a guy that switched positions at Michigan, played mm-hmm. receiver at one point, goes yep. over the even side of the football and has done it, feels like seamlessly, feels like he's going to be running across that 53.3 for the majority of those four <laughs> yeah. of those four quarters tomorrow night. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work for him. And then the Michigan receivers, I think we didn't see much from them against Alabama. Alabama's defensive backs obviously very good, all headed to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Washington's not quite the same caliber. So do we see a Roman Wilson or maybe, maybe Colson Loveland, the tight end? Maybe we see one of those guys – break out for a bigger game without question and I think the thought the plan a would obviously be hey we run the ball effectively we make them overcommit, we hit that deep shot strike up the band hill yeah. the victors playing all night long the other thought that I was watching back Washington Oregon State today and it was a muddy game yeah. and DJ used probably different than JJ McCarthy but they did a really good job against Washington attacking them in the flats like yes. it was bring pressure put the ball out to Silas Bolden whoever so I'm curious if Washington's forced to maybe rally, make some tackles on Roman Wilson. Yeah, I mean, if Oregon State doesn't try to be Washington in the last series of that game, Washington may not be here right now. We may be talking about a a different team. So, yeah, I I think that's a good point. And Washington has played in so many close games, though. I think that's that's another interesting piece of this. The Pac-12 was much deeper than the Big Ten this year. Mm -hmm. Michigan had to play two tough games in Big Ten play, Penn State and Ohio State. And then obviously they had to beat Alabama. Yeah. Washington has been challenged again and again. Like when when Washington only beat Arizona by seven points, we were like, "What's wrong with Washington?" Hundred percent. 
hundred percent. And then Arizona rips off this win streak, and you're like, whoa, that's a, that was a pretty good win mm-hmm. on the road. Yeah, without and the Arizona game too. I mean, that was a game where State it was like, game. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, Arizona yeah. State. I think it was what fifteen to seven. Yes, they like Michael Penix threw zero touchdowns. They had a defensive touchdown to ultimately win the football game. I mean, Stanford game was was tight. It's unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. and it's one of those things where like you check the comment section, people say, well, you don't really know Washington. You picked against them all year. It's like, no, I just keep picking them to eventually lose a close game. Right. And that's why everyone's kind of had this opinion on Washington. Um, so there's the experience factor for Michigan, but then there's this like just steady heart rate that Washington's had mm-hmm. the, incor- the entire but, course of the season. Like this pilots where stress doesn't bother them. Their, their heart rates go down when they're stressed. Unbelievable. Like it, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, but you're right. They, they have lived that life all season. Now we got to see Michigan live that life. Michigan trailed in the fourth quarter for the first time all year against Alabama. Mm-hmm. They handled it. Yep. They figured it out. So we know they can. We know they're capable. If they're down going into the fourth quarter, you're not bailing on them. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not saying, well, these guys don't know what they're doing. We, we just saw them do it against a really good opponent. So I, I, that's what, I just can't be more excited for a game because it, we don't know what's going to happen here. No this idea. is not like Georgia TCU last year where there was no path for TCU to win. You knew exactly how it was going to go. Yep. This is going to be an absolute barn burner all the way. And we don't – like whoever wins, I don't think we can accurately describe tonight how that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's like there's no tells when you look yeah. at this whole thing. Like there's so many different – types of games that could play out, whether it's maybe we see Washington kind of control time of possession and we have a game that ends up being played in the 20s. You and yep. I talked about yesterday, we could see a 48-45 yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of game. And it's like the fact that either one of those could play out, and I don't think anybody would be surprised, just speaks to the versatility of both teams, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be great. Now, let's talk about these two coaches. We, press conference was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, we're actually at the table Jim Harbaugh was sitting at. Uh, Kalen DeBoer was over there, probably sitting there going, this guy's... This guy's different. Yeah. But Kalen DeBoer is is so amazing to me because he's pretty normal. Yeah. And it's hard to be successful as a major college head coach as a normal person. As my 100%. friend Ari Wasserman always says, he's not sure Ryan Day's psychotic enough to succeed at Ohio State. Sure. Like, Kalen DeBoer is about as normal as it gets, but feels like he has been battle-tested as a coach, whether it was the NAI at Sioux Falls or coming up as an assistant or being Fresno State's head coach, like he's made all the decisions he's had to make in game. He's been through almost every situation you've seen, and he seems to choose correctly almost all the time. It's a very calloused Washington team, which is funny because yeah. we keep talking about Michigan being the experienced team, but it's like. Michael Penix Jr. has been through the fire and flames of adversity. Roma Dunze has played a lot of football. Kalen DeBoer never skipped any steps yep. to get to where he is. So well, and, I, it's, it's wild. So many of Washington's veterans have been through every imaginable thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the there are group the, the super seniors, the the COVID year guys, they played for Chris Peterson. So they were in that culture, which was one of the better cultures in college football. That's crazy. They then went four and eight under Jimmy Lake. Mm-hmm. So they've seen how bad it can get when it sucks. Yeah. And so I, that was one thing, talking to the Washington players, I got a real sense of appreciation for what they've been able to do and just this opportunity to come back from that 4-8 and eight and be a good program again. And I think they want to make sure that they stay a good program for a long time and this group leaves its mark because there's a lot of guys who are fourth, fifth, sixth-year guys on this team. And you know, I, I don't know what the future holds for Washington or Michigan because in both cases – 
They are very veteran heavy. Mm -hmm. There is a chance of a step back next season, even though both of them recruit well. Mm -hmm. This might be the chance right here for this both the of window. them. Yeah. yeah, this is the window. And we talked a lot about you know, how Washington doesn't really ever get rattled and never get nervous. I mean, you listen to Kalen DeBoer post-game in that Pac-12 title game. You know, they just beat Oregon for the second time. It was a three-point game. It was back and forth to a degree at the end there. And he looks like he just got off his 8-5. to five. Like He looks yeah. like he just kind of punched the clock. And oh, it's yeah. just like I mean, very, very steady. And it's you can see that's a reflection of who their head coach is. They embody that persona. Meanwhile, Michigan, their head coach is a little bit different, yep, dude. Yep. And we don't know if this is going to be his last game at Michigan. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a there's a growing sense that that it is. He's hired Don Yee to be his agent, which you know last year he got some help from his brother's agent, but they weren't. It, it wasn't a go get me an NFL job kind of situation. The year before, he interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings. There are going to be a bunch of NFL jobs open. You know, as we run this show. You've got the Dolphins and the Bills playing. Mm -hmm. Once they're done, everybody starts firing people. Yeah. So, like, it is going to be uh, pretty wild next week in the NFL. So, we'll see what jobs are open, what might be a fit for Harbaugh. There's the NCAA stuff. Mm -hmm. There's Sharon Moore, who seems ready to take over. Yeah. You know, let, let's, let's watch Jim Harbaugh from earlier on Sunday when he got asked uh, about his future. Uh, you know, I hate to end with a clunker answer to uh, <laughs> what's been to a what's been a great press conference, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just really everything that's right here in front of us. Um, you know, coming coming down the straightaway like a thoroughbred. Uh, you know, the, you can see the finish line. You know, got the blinders on. I mean, I'm just each guy. I'm just going to the whip. Uh, you know, and you know, future. Um, hope to have one. Hope there's a tomorrow. Hope there's a day after tomorrow. Hope there's a next week, a next month. I hope a next year. Uh, hope to have a future. JD Piquel, did Jim Harbaugh just predict the Armageddon? It like, felt should, that way. Should I be getting canned goods together? It felt that way. Talk about living <laughs> in the moment. Like, hey, but by the way, he's answering those questions. It's like, all right, there is tomorrow's not promised. By, like, by legitimately way, not promised. By the way, both the question was to both coaches about this being a Big Ten game next year. Yep. The, so Kayla DeBoer answered it like, hey, we're excited about going to the Big Ten. And that's what Jim Harbaugh answered with. Yes. And he, I mean, because you know he's like just trying to walk the finest line yes. and not say the wrong thing and be a headline before they go play the most important I, game of I his time there. I do feel like Jim Harbaugh is the one guy who could win the national title and then do the blue chips thing where he mm -hmm. retires in the press conference. Yeah, but, golly, yeah. But I don't know. I That's what makes this game so exciting also is the Jim Harbaugh wild card factor because we don't know what's going to happen next. I think we've seen from Sharon Moore that it feels like he's ready to take over. Mm -hmm. If you're Jim Harbaugh, you feel like you're leaving the program in a good place if you decide to leave. But also, if you don't get an NFL job, I feel like they take you back. Oh, without a question. I mean, we we I even, think even, even if there's NCAA stuff. Yes, yeah. I mean, even last year there was this thought of okay, we understand as long as Jim Harbaugh is the head coach at Michigan, every off season we'll have a holiday of. NFL, Jim Harbaugh, right. headline, comes out, interviews, not interviews. They called him. It doesn't matter. There's going to be smoke there until he does take an NFL job. Well, I hope there's a tomorrow because if there is, we get to cover the national title game. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> if it's there. If it happens. Yep. That's J.D. Piquel. And we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh after this game. But if he does wind up in the NFL, the guy who probably replaces him as Michigan's head coach 
is Sharon Moore. We talked to Michigan's offensive coordinator about the journey here and what it was like being Michigan's head coach for four games this season. All right, I am here with Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator of the Michigan Wolverines. And uh, Sharon, what, what's this journey been like for these? You've seen this whole process of going from, you know, 2020 to making the playoff to getting over the Ohio State hump, and now you're here. Does it feel like this is real? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean really felt it as you landed. Uh, not much so when we in Ann Arbor knew what you were preparing for, but when we landed here, you saw the CFP uh, emblems and uh, saw the buses wrapped. Uh, now you know you're here, but this is what we work for. Yeah. Super excited for this opportunity. Know we're playing a phenomenal team uh, with a phenomenal staff and just super excited for this opportunity. So for you, this has been such an odd season. You had three, you know, four games where you were the acting head coach. I, I wanted to ask you about this. So you said after the Ohio State game, you went home. And you read to your daughters. Yeah. I believe it was Aladdin. Was, was uh, it was like Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but he, okay. Yeah. All right. Got my Disney. Yeah, Disney yeah, princess. Right. So right. we have Belle instead of Jasmine. Yeah. All right. So, what is that like when you go from going for it on fourth down in front of 110,000 people and and however many million watching at home yeah. to dad? Yeah. What's that like? Uh, humbling. Uh, <laughs> you you get put in a perspective of the things in that that are in your life. You know, people only see. You know, those things on television and in the stadium of going forward and the coaching part and the TV, but they don't see the real life uh, me that when I go home, it's not, really, it's nothing to do with anything, any I call or the games that we win. I mean, I'm going to go back to the room and it's not going to be worried about the national championship game. They're yeah. going to be worried about dad. Hey, let's play. Let's do this. So for us, it's, it's humbling, but it's also, you know, it's grounding. It, it lets you know the things that are important. It I would imagine, I, I always wonder about this because it, it feels like people are finally coming around on the idea of O-line coaches yep. as coordinators, as head coaches. And it feels like that's the kind of group that would ground you too. Like yeah. those guys don't, they don't take a lot of BS. Like you can't car salesmen, those guys. Yeah. Like it feels like it, it prepares you a little better for these, these kind of jobs. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, you know, coaching the O-line is just something special. Obviously, yeah. I played it. Yeah. And uh, those guys just too. They've done a phenomenal job for me for the past three years. Super proud to be a part of coaching that group. And, uh, you know, I look up to guys like Andy Reid, who's yeah. an O-line background, oh, yeah. who's, who's done it at the highest level. So I'll just continue to, you know, just really try to coach your guys as hard as I could. And, uh, obviously, I got a lot of great help from everybody else in the staff. Well, and you've had to you've had to move the pieces around because you've had injury and like the Zach Zinner injury and, and how they played after that. I mean, yeah. how proud are you of, of Carson moving into guard and, and Trente coming in at, at, at right tackle? I mean, super proud. I couldn't be more prouder of of a group than ever, uh, especially in that moment. You know, for us to score the next play. Oh so yeah, super proud of those guys and what they did. But wasn't surprised because you know we talk about all year it's going to take more than five guys to go win this whole thing, and those guys showed it right there. When some of the guys have been talking about, and you see this every day, your defensive line. Mm -hmm. How much does that prepare them for for what they're going to see when they play games? I mean, in our opinion, you know, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, uh, Chris Jenkins, Braden. Uh, Jalen Harrell, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, the combination of those guys, the Ray Sean Bennies, the Cam Goods, like yeah. they're a problem every day in practice. Um, and we knew they were going to be a problem. And, 
it's it's cool to watch other teams have to deal with it than us. Oh yeah. So, uh, but just super excited for 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 them and their success and what they've done. So with your line, how long does it take to to create that mentality of we're we're going to take over games, we're going to, you know, because you know when when you guys have really got somebody on the ropes, it, you can t like there's a there's a mental break from the other team. How long does it take to instill that mentality in your team? Uh, I mean, I think the guys, uh, it's, it's part of who they are. Uh, some of those guys, are, they've lived that, that's how they are. I think, um, you know, for us, it's been something we've been building since I took over the line in 21. It's, uh, you know, the first thing I told them was like, hey, we got to run the football team. If we don't, we're, we're not going to have a chance. Yeah. It can't be anybody else. So um, those guys really taken to that and really taking it to a new level. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That is Sharon Moore, who sounds very ready to be a head coach, very ready to take over a major program. We will see if he winds up doing that this offseason. But the cavalcade of offensive linemen continues because Washington's offensive line, a little bit underappreciated, except by the people who really count, and that's the people who decide on the Joe Moore Award. If you don't know what the Joe Moore Award is, it is the award for the best offensive line in college football. It is incredible because it's for a group, it's not for one player, and it has a trophy that weighs 800 pounds and requires a forklift to move. It's a great award. Michigan won it twice in a row, and Washington took it from the Wolverines this year. This offensive line, you saw it really take over in that Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. You've seen moments where it's been very dominant, but I think people still get the impression that it's West Coast football, it's soft. That is not the case with Washington. They will get after you up front, but they're about to face the biggest challenge they faced all year in this Michigan defensive front. Let's talk to Roger Rosengarten. Joined by Roger Rosengarten of Washington. And Roger, what, what has this experience been like for you? You know, this is, you guys haven't lost in 17 months? <laughs> How long yeah. has it been? Yeah, it's uh, it's getting up there. I know that for sure. But uh, we look, we're looking to keep that streak going. Uh, yeah. So you win the Joe Moore Award. We saw the video of they kind of hit it in your complex. Yeah. What was that like seeing that trophy? I mean, uh, first of all, the trophy is like I, I knew it was big. I knew it was a big trophy, yeah. biggest one in college football. But to see it to be the biggest one, like in person is like insane. Like I've never seen a trophy that big. It was, it was crazy. It's 800 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I talked to Ladarius Henderson who played in, in the Pac-12 and yeah. played at Arizona State and he transferred this year and he's like, oh, Michigan's won two straight Joe Moore awards. I'm going to get me one of those. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, so he wants you guys to put that on the line this game too. I was like, I don't think you could lift, either team could lift that trophy afterwards. <laughs> so I don't know. You may have to just keep it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't blame him for not wanting a, the trophy. I mean, I, I think every offensive line in the country wants a trophy. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> kudos to him for saying that. But uh, um, we just we just let our film do the talking this year and uh, continue to do that. So. What, what does that mean? Because that is kind of the ultimate team award. It's, yeah. it's not an – like, it goes to the group. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, it's, it's – a, it's a group award and like for all of us to be like so invested in that i know like a week a week prior we were talking we were like man if like any word on the joe moore like we we're just wondering <laughs> like because i know we, we we played a good season but i mean the film your film does that's yeah. talking for you so. oh yeah 
And I, I've yeah. been on a couple of those calls for the Joe Moore Award. They, oh, really? they are watching the film. And yeah. yeah. I, I really do think your fourth quarter against Oregon is what won in the Pac-12 championship yeah. game. I think that won it for you because that was that was an example of a line just taking over a game. Agreed. Agreed. I think after that game, we, we all, like, five sat down and had dinner after that. Once we got back to Seattle, we were like, man, that – that Oregon game was special, man. We all collectively played hard as a unit and uh, wanted to just strain, strain to do whatever we could to get away. Well, and you'd already played those guys, and it was interesting going to that game because they were favored again. Yeah. And, and the, the narrative was the same again. Like, they haven't seen these kinds of athletes on defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you'd already played them. Right. So, I, but do you guys enjoy that? Because you're getting it again this week. It was, oh, you haven't, you haven't dealt with this level of athlete. Yeah. It feels like every time you've been presented with that, you've had no problem with yeah it. I mean ever since November it's always been hey you guys are favored or not favored to win again or yeah. you're the underdogs going in so I mean it's that underdog mentality every single week you're going against better line better competition um, so we're ready for it I mean we, we're, we're confident in our preparation and we're ready to play so what's it like as an alignment playing with a guy like Mike who gets I mean he gets rid of the ball so quickly yeah um, like you said does a good job getting rid of the ball but when he holds on we do our best to strain and um, hold on blocks. We just want to give as much time for him as possible because we have a great group of receiving and side ends around us and if uh, we give him as much time as possible it's uh, it's great knowing that the, the Heisman in my eyes uh, can sling the, sling the ball and it's going to be a touchdown. I was going to say so he, he won it according to you yeah. guys. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. You can't you can't convince me otherwise. So How yeah. many times do you find yourself as you're watching you know re-watching film going how did he make that throw? A ton. Like, obviously, I watch my block and my technique and the rest of the guys' technique, yeah. and then that's when you kind of let play, hit play on the on the thundercloud and let it see and just watch them work, and you see these crazy throws, you're like, wow, this, it's special. Yeah, I was going to so, say, because it's not like that. No, Most no, no, quarterbacks no. cannot make those yeah, throws. So. absolutely. So when did you realize, because, you know, he transfers in before last season, when did you realize, okay, we got something truly special here? Uh, I think it was like spring ball, the first kind of kind of football interaction of 2022 spring ball 2022 is like kind of I was like holy cow this guy can sling it and then we get to that Kent State game of last year I was like man this this, this is something special yeah. so just kind of that snowball effect build on build 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 and man next thing you know we got a Heisman on our uh <laughs> on our hands so so in in this transfer portal era where everybody's moving around yeah. your offensive line is all homegrown your starting five yep. are all homegrown you guys have been together most of you've been together four years right yeah what how, how much does that help in terms of communication? Because that's one thing yeah. you guys, we, we rarely see you guys get confused yeah. by stuff defenses do. Right. Um, Coach Huff does a great job schematically with things, but in terms of us five playing as a unit, I mean, we've been through this program through the, the thick and thin, through the ups and yeah. downs when we were four and eight and um, staffless. We, didn't have, an, we yeah. didn't have a staff. We've been through that. And then for us to come back and – um, to do what we've done is it's great to look back on. What what has that been like that journey? Because I, I know there's guys on this team who were recruited by Pete and yep. played with Pete the first year. How how much has changed over those years? A ton. I was recruited by uh, Coach Coach Peterson, yeah. and then before I got there, he left. And then Coach Lake, and then obviously Coach DeBoer. So I've kind of yep. gone through three different staffs, three head coaches. But even though the first and second was not too much different, but I mean it's it was definitely something for the change, but. Um, it didn't. It didn't change my love for the dogs and uh, what I what I love about this program. So. What did What did Coach DeBoer tell you guys when he got there? I remember the first day he came in. It was a winter. We were all waiting to see our new head coach, who our new head coach was. It was him and his whole family walking in our locker room. And I remember shaking his hand. He's like, "We're gonna go make this place special." 
and I could tell as soon as that before any of the staff was hired I knew was, I knew he meant that and uh, yeah what would it mean if you guys could bring Washington a national title I mean everything I mean I've dreamed about a game like this ever since I was a little kid I love college football and uh, for, for uh, us to go win it, I mean, it's, it's been a long dream of mine. So, so who were so. your favorite players growing up in college football? What, who'd you love to watch? Um, Johnny Manziel. Yep. I grew up watching him. He was electric. Um, I was a big fan of uh, growing up. I used to watch the old replays of the Boise State and Oklahoma games of the Statue of Liberty. So I was at that game. Oh, really? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, because people forget. Boise State was kicking Oklahoma's butt for yeah. three quarters. Yeah. And then Oklahoma comes back. Uh -huh. Yeah, they had Adrian Peterson. I mean, yeah. that was such a great game to just look back on it and be like, wow. Like, And plus our head coach, uh, or our offensive line coach, Scott Hupp, he was, oh, yeah. he was a coach during well, that right. game. Right. Yeah. And Coach Pete was there, too. Yep. And, so. And so it was, But that's one of those things, like, I just remember going, did they just run the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> yeah, unreal. <laughs> How many times did you run that? have you run that in the backyard? Uh, I've ran it a couple times in the backyard, just playing backyard ball, but yeah. like nothing. Can you nothing imagine ever. doing that? I know. Like on that stage, Insane. it's so cool. I know. But so, well, so I mean, as a as a college football junkie, like you're playing as the team that's won more games yep. than any in college football. Like when you see those winged helmets, is that how cool is that going to be? I mean, it's a historic game. Like yeah. the '91 team of UW, that national championship, oh, yeah. UW versus Michigan. Um, just a historic game, and for us to. Um, kind of be re replaying that part just in uh, Houston, Texas is, is special. All right, Roger, appreciate it. Good Thank luck you. to you. Appreciate you, my man. Of course, we got to give equal time to the Michigan offensive line. Ladarius Henderson, who is a very unique perspective on this game because Ladarius Henderson spent his first four seasons at Arizona State, and he's played Washington. In fact... He was on the Arizona State team that beat Washington in 2022. That was the last team to beat the Huskies. It was a crazy game, one that kind of came out of the blue. It was actually Washington's second consecutive loss. They lost to UCLA, and then they lost to Arizona State, and they didn't lose again and haven't lost again. Does Ladarius know any secrets to beating these guys? He's not so sure about that, but he knows he's got a pretty good team with him. All right, we're back with Ladarius Henderson one more time, running it back. Ladarius, mm -hmm. you were on the last team that beat Washington. I was, yep. Arizona, like, y'all, that was a crazy game, too. So, like, how many times have your teammates come to you this week? Like, all right, what's the secret? What do you do? What do you got to do? Oh, my former teammates or my new teammates? These current teammates. Oh, they, they hadn't done that at all. I mean, I feel like my, my all my current teammates feel like we're on the next team to yeah. beat Washington. But, um, yeah, they hadn't done that at all. So, you guys at Michigan, you know, you get here this year, want to want to step in, win the Joe Moore Award again. They win the Joe Moore Award. Yeah. How's that feel? Uh, it definitely stings. I mean, that's definitely part of the reason why you come to Michigan is you want to you want to win that Joe Moore Award three times in a row, and you want to have that. And it's something I was definitely looking forward to so much. And for them to win it, I mean, ah, I mean, if they want, we could probably. If they if they want to add that into the into the arrangement, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we do it. Now that is a, that trophy requires a forklift, so I, I'm sure you could probably get one lined up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they want to put that wager, wager on it, I'm sure we we'd be down. <laughs> I I think that'd be good. It's it's funny because you like we we talk about the rivalry or, or you know wanting to win it, but like you guys don't play them on the field. Like you no. play their D line, they play your D line. And you got to figure that out. So. I mean, they definitely have uh, offensive linemen that I'm, that we respect. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, I, even though we haven't met, I haven't met any of them in yeah. person. I've, I've seen some of their game, and I really like it. And um, they, have some def they definitely have but some really have good players. But you have played against their D-linemen. Yeah. So what what is that like? Um, I mean, I was saying 2021 probably had one of my best collegiate games ever against Washington. And, yeah, I played them, I played them in last year as well, mm -hmm. but um, – that was the game I got injured, so I didn't get to f finish the full game. But, yeah. I mean, we won both times. So There you go. You, yeah, you guys had the secret. But, but they're they're always pretty good on the edges. Like, what do you yeah. see from, from Braylon Trice and, and ZTF? And I mean, they have an assortment of moves. Um, some guys, they don't they don't have that many things in their, in their bag, as yeah. I call it. And it's kind of easier to have a plan of attack against them so you can force them to do certain things. But we play guys like this. So they have a lot of things, a lot of tools in their toolbox. So... Um, it just takes a good, good fundamentals and, you know, good eyes, really. So I was talking to Josiah Stewart about the last play of the Rose Bowl. Another guy who came in, you know, as a transfer this year. Yep. You've seen him in practice the whole time. Oh, yeah. Like when he dumps the right tackle on his butt, how many times have you seen him do that to somebody at practice? Josiah Stewart, <laughs> you can ask him. And I'll, I'll tell you, Josiah Stewart was, is a really good football player and a wreck a force to be reckoned with even in practice and I, I can tell you that firsthand from fall camp he's not that big but it looks like he just he just it, it's all in the shoulders well he's, and he just, he's fast he's explosive right he's explosive yeah he's twitchy he bends really well and he's really strong so i mean he has all the things that you need to be an elite edge rusher so i mean given what you guys practice against all the time is there ever a d-line that you're like well i don't know about this well, I will say there has not been a single D-line that I faced in game that was remotely close to what our D-line makes you feel in practice. Yeah. And it's like not even remotely close. Just from the guys we have up front, from Mason Graham, KG, Chris Jenkins, um, Josiah, yeah. Jalen Harrell, Braden, D-Moore, like the guys we have up front, Ray Bandy, Cam Good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like – we can have we can send out the first group, the second group, the third group, and it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy. You know well, what I mean? And you guys have a little bit of everything. That's what. Yeah. It's interesting because I I remember watching as the and, and I realize you play offense, but you play these guys all the time in practice. So like Chris Jenkins walking off there, running off the field before the last play and waving goodbye to the guys that were gonna play on that last play and. No, most teams would would not take a guy of Chris Jenkins' caliber off the field, but you got Mason and KG in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those Mason and KG and Chris Jenkins, we're talking about three guys that we have on this team that could be top 50 draft picks. I mean, like it's wild. And I mean, you can only start two interior guys at a time yeah. unless you're in a certain package, but. We got three guys that any team would want. Well, you know? another guy you got to deal with a lot is is Moore, Derek Moore. That last, again, that last play. I mean, him and Josiah were just incredible on that play. Yeah, I mean, and Derek Moore has an assortment of moves in his yeah. bag too, and he's just such a powerful guy. We have so many powerful guys that have a mix of being powerful and being quick. So yeah, it's and the thing that I think makes them so good that a lot of people don't look at is there. We have our four different edge rushers that rotate in they all play so differently right but so effective at what they do yeah like they their game is different but they're getting a great result out of it it's it's strange it's almost like in baseball where somebody's bringing in a different pitcher so you have to you have to change up your technique change up your approach exactly except it's play in play out yeah that's a lot yeah. of film to watch for uh, opposing offensive lines well 
the Joe Moore Award-winning Washington offensive line going to have to deal with those guys. So yeah, may, may, maybe we, we can we can Washington will be here next. I will ask some of those guys if they will put the Joe Moore Award on the line along with the national title trophy. All right, tell you can tell Troy I said it. <laughs> All right, we'll do. Appreciate it, Larry. No problem. Thank you. That was awesome. Now let's talk to one of those guys that the Michigan offensive line has to block. Fatui Tuatele has been through it all at Washington. He was recruited by Chris Peterson, played for Peterson for a year, then goes through the two Jimmy Lake years, 4-8 and eight in that last season, and then Kalen DeBoer comes. So he has seen consistency, depths, and now the highest of the highs. Let's talk to him as he prepares for the biggest game of his career. Here with Fatui Tuatele. Defensive tackle for the Washington Huskies, and one of the guys who's been around for a lot. Wow. You played for Chris Peterson in yes. 2019. Yes. What has this journey been like for you? I mean, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been a great journey. I mean, you know, we went through a lot of trials and tribulations, obviously, especially coming into 2019. Um, you know, we didn't expect our head coach, Coach Peterson, to just leave so so fast. Yeah. I mean, he was a big part of why a lot of us came to, to UW. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a... It was a little uh, surprising for us. I mean, not a little, but it was it was oh, a big yeah. surprise for yeah, all yeah. of us, you know, when he uh, talked to us that that uh, December. Um, but I mean, the the journey's been great, man. I've been made a lot of connections and made a lot of relationships with my teammates. I think it's interesting because you had so many guys who played in that culture, You're right? And then you went through four and eight, and then Coach DeBoer comes in. So there, there's guys that had been in a really good environment, good culture before. Yeah. How was that? How it was so easy to get back or? Yeah, I mean, there was just, uh, you know, obviously a lot of guys after that 4 and eight season, you know, left. And uh, I feel like the guys who stayed are, you know, the backbone of this team. You yeah. know, we've been through so much. We've been through a lot of adversity. And I feel like, you know, us just being able to go through all that trial and tribulation really, you know, humbled us and, and made us that much closer, actually. It yeah. made us so, such a tight-knit group between all of us. And when you think about this team that, you know, what is it, uh, you've now got nine straight games that you've decided by 10 or fewer points that you've won. Like, right. when you face that adversity, when you right. have games like Arizona State, like Washington State, right. does it feel like you just know what your teammates are going to do? Oh, yeah. You know, we built that trust. I think that trust is, you know, is so important when it comes down to those games, especially yeah. like the trust between the offense, the defense, the special teams. Yeah. You know, when, when one may be, you know, struggling a little bit, the other will help yeah. in, it will step in and help. So definitely that 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 trust is, is what we have in each other, and you, obviously you see it with all these close games. What's it been like playing against this offensive line in practice all these years? It's been amazing, man. They make they make me better each and every day in practice. I mean, I love it. They they, they give such great competition. They great they gave uh, a lot of great looks to us throughout the season, um, and and this O line is just amazing, man. From from left tackle to the right tackle, everybody, man. How much does that prepare you for, for a game like this where Michigan's got a very good O-line? Yeah, I mean, it helped us prepare a lot. Uh, it, it's made us better, like I said, throughout the season, going against our Joe Moore award-winning <laughs> O-Lyman. Right. That's right. Yeah, shout out to the boys, the O-line. Uh, they, they made us better, and they prepared us for so many so many other great O-lines in the Pac-12 as well, you know, that's uh, that we've seen. So, you know, I, I feel like we're battle-tested. So as an interior guy, do you get excited when you play a team like this because they're going to run it straight at you, or do you're like, "Holy crap, that's a lot of double teams"? No, we definitely <laughs> we definitely love the challenge. Yeah. You know, this is definitely a, a, an interior and a front seven game, and this is definitely a game that uh, that every D lineman dreams of. You know, oh, yeah. a, a running team. So you know, it's a chance for us to prove ourselves as a D line to the to the nation on national stage, and it's it's a chance for us to make a lot of plays and 
you know, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. How do you feel about double teams, really? <laughs> be honest. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a love-hate relationship, man. Yeah. Like it's res like it's respect. It is. On one hand, it is it's respect, you know what I mean? Like 600 pounds of dude. Yeah, 600 versus 3 300 pounds, you know, two two 300 pound guys yeah. versus one 300 pound guy. I mean, you know, you got to love the respect though. It, it, yeah. it, it definitely it definitely uh molds you into a into a uh, better football player and a D-lineman, man. And when you play that position at Washington, you think about the guys that have come, Danny Shelton, Vita right. Vea, Greg Gaines, like, how how important is it to uphold that standard? Oh, very important. I mean, we have a model called D-Lo, uh, D-Line Order. Yeah. It's, you know, it was, it, was, it was here way before I came here. Oh, yeah. So we just, Steve Entman. Way Entman. back. Exactly. Yeah. So we were just trying to uphold that standard each time, uh, each time we step out of the field and each time we practice, we're trying to uphold that standard in the way we practice and the way we prepare and everything. From talking to you guys, it's interesting. it sounds like they've taught you a lot about the history of the program and that, that yeah. you know, you, the, the guys who played in the 90s and in the 80s, right. you you right. know how, you know, what they did. What would it be like to, to, to bring a national title back to Washington? It would mean a lot. I mean, you just see the support that all of Washington has behind us, you know, even when we uh, we we were loading the buses yeah. before we came, um, there were so many so many fans, yeah. so many friends, families that were out there waiting for us outside outside the stadium before we got on the buses, and just like the support um, all over social media as well. We feel like we're representing more than just our football team, but we're, we're representing you know the legends that came before us and and the whole state of Washington. So somebody had come to you during that four and eight season and told you. In a couple of years, you're gonna be playing for the freaking national title. <laughs> what would you have said? I think they were crazy. They were crazy. I, I think like they're losing their mind. I'm like, nah, there ain't no way, man. There, there ain't no way. We know we're gonna go from a four and eight season to a national championship in two years. Like, I, I, I think they're crazy. I'm not gonna lie. But you're here. We it's are real. It is real, and it, and it feels it feels uh, amazing to be here with with my brothers and be able to just experience this. Like, it's not just the game, but like the whole experience of oh, yeah. being here and you know just. It's, it's amazing that I get to share this this, uh, this feeling with such a great team. Well, good luck. Yeah, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. That was awesome. That's it. Thank you to all the Washington and Michigan players and coaches for their time and their thoughtful answers. Guys, it's time to play a national championship game. It happens on Monday night, and you will hear from myself and J.D. Piquel. We will be on site in Houston. We got a show Monday morning to get you ready for it. The hard count doesn't normally come on Monday morning, but we're going to take that hard count time slot that JD uses on Tuesday and Thursday. We're going to have a little pregame show Monday morning, and then Monday night, you will hear from us after the game. We'll go live. You can react. You can chat with us. You can heckle us, whatever you want. Cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. This is a great matchup. Expecting an incredible game. Talk to you on Monday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit fanduel.com slash on three 
and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.